It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. All right. Well, thank you for being my first, like, trial at this. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you wouldn't mind uh, introducing yourself and just kind of who you are. Um, I don't really have, like, some crazy intro. We're just uh, here at Dream Camp, so... Uh, my name is Callie Seitzer, and I have a company called Inspired Cheer Camps, and I pretty much travel around and I teach cheerleading like 300 days a year, I would say. I'm on the road, and I've been in cheerleading for 20, about 20 years. I would say I've been coaching for about 18 years, and I've been doing gymnastics prior to that, and I started that when I was seven, so I've been doing it for like a really long time. Okay. Um, and so... Uh, obviously, we met through through cheer. I think what three or four years ago. Yeah, how did we meet? Um, I honestly don't know. I think you I just got referred him. by someone, and then it just worked out that you were. Able but we to didn't meet the first time. No, we didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, which is how I met Matt. Yeah. Um, uh, who I plan to sit down and talk with too, hopefully. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so you're here in Oregon, and. You've been coming here for three years now, and we're very grateful to have you. Um, so, what I mean, you say you travel like 300 days a year. Like, what is that like? So, I, it is, it is really fun, but also a very different lifestyle. So, I did, I went backwards instead of like settling and starting a family, I went on the road full time, like completely. And it's amazing. You get to see different cultures through traveling and going to different gyms, whether it's in another state, whether it's another country, like I get to see a whole culture through a sport, which is really cool. Yeah. Probably the coolest thing about every aspect of it. And I take like two days here and there when I'm traveling to like actually see the world around wherever I'm at. Um, but I've been to 24 countries and 27 states. 24 countries. Yeah. So far All for cheerleading. Yeah. Like my first country was Canada. My second was Mexico. My third was Finland. And after Finland, I went like 19, like 20 countries after that. That's so crazy. And it was all cheerleading. Cheerleading's everywhere. It's amazing. It's the coolest thing to see how it's grown in different places. And, uh, I mean, traveling around and going to all those different countries, like, what do you, what are the biggest differences and what are the, what are things that like, no matter where you go, is it's the same? the same, if anything. Language barriers are hard. That's that is a, that's difficult. And not only language barriers in other countries, but language barriers where they speak English as well. So in some places in Australia, it's tough to understand when somebody's asking you a question or when you're communicating. The communication is so different. Yeah. But I like I was in Finland. I was working a tumbling camp with Chris Minis. And I was like in a different part of Finland than I had ever been to. And usually they speak English very well. And here... I had to use an eight-year-old English girl 
to translate Finnish to the entire camp. And she was my, she came up here, she was my little helper all day. And she did all the translating and everything. It was, a, it was an awesome experience, but you don't realize you're going to have to utilize somebody like that if you don't understand the, the language or you're in a place where it's not really like a big language, which is pretty cool. Um, but the same as everywhere would be in cheerleading. The same struggles are everywhere. It's just at different levels, depending on where you are in the world. So the same kind of you know, problems with maybe not conditioning enough or maybe they do, they have the same kind of technique issues with certain stunts or with certain tumbling passes. Um, the, the craziest thing though is working out of country because in our country, we have so many gyms that have equipment and that's right. just what it is. You have a standalone gym, you're a gym owner. That's right. what you do here. Right. You start gyms. In Europe, they rent out gymnasiums as in a shared space. So volleyball, basketball, they roll out mats and that's the space. So you have to get really creative on how you coach the drills that you come up with, like make sure that you're able to spot, like, because they don't have a lot of equipment and it's a totally different way of teaching to get what you need to get to. Like, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, the difference between. But there's gyms coming all over Europe now. Like, I think England just got one, a, a huge one. Like, Unity just, um, there's a team in England, they just got a massive space of their own. They've been, I think they were renting for a while. And they look, it's amazing. So, and there's, in Norway, I went to a really cool gym. Um, and they look a lot the same, but there's sometimes a, they're in a gymnastics facility too with, right. with totally different equipment because it's in Europe and they have amazing equipment and gymnastics facilities there. So it's really neat to just see the different gyms and how, how they've developed over the years. Yeah. It's pretty neat. That's crazy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, um, so going to all those different places, you have to constantly be like changing Adapt. and adapting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what... Uh, and obviously you're very successful in doing that. Uh, one of the reasons we love having you here, um, cause we're very, you know, flexible at our camps and we try and cater to the clients and you excel at that. And, um, is there anything that you have, uh, that you found as like good little tricks to help you be so universally flexible and, and creative? Like, yeah. how do you even, I mean, just the games you came up with here. Like, seriously, how do you come up with this stuff? Like, wh where does it even come from? I, well, I, I think with creativity and with working with different teams and being able to work a bunch of, with a, like a diverse situation, you have to, you add psychology to it. I think psychology has a major part in it. Like, I okay. I did a minor in psychology. I wish I would have, like, majored or mastered in it. But I majored in, like, I mean, I was kinesiology and then business. But I literally read the psychology of, as soon as I walk in a gym, how the gym's moving automatically everywhere. It doesn't matter what's going on, class, privates, owners, whatever's happening. I automatically yeah. read the psychology of the gym and how it's moving. And then if I'm with individual kids or a class or a team, I automatically get the vibe of that team within five minutes. I know what I'm going to have, I'm going to have to push them. If it's going to be positive, it's going to be negative, it's going to be hard, it's going to be soft, it's going to be nice, it's going to be a little bit more crazy, you know. It depends on the first five-minute interaction that I have with the coach as well and or the gym owner. So I usually talk with them and try to figure out, okay, so how, what is the things you've been working on? And then I think about what they're doing and what can I do to add to make it better automatically? Yeah. What can I do that they're not already doing that will change what they're doing now to a bigger and better path? And that's every time. So it's an evaluation within five minutes. And then you just go from there. I feel like, I think psychology yeah. is like half of cheerleading. Oh, I, that totally. Part. 
you got everything. <laughs> I, yeah, I've always kind of made the analogy of like, you've got to have more than one tool in your toolbox. And like you encounter those coaches where the only thing they have is a hammer and they just, that's yes. like all they use and yeah. they don't understand why that athlete isn't responding. And it's like, yeah. well, there's sometimes you need to different. use it completely. Like you've got those kids that you've got to be in their face yeah. to get them to even try. And then you've got those kids where you've got to convince them yeah. that they can do things. And those kids that just, do their own thing and you don't have to say anything. You yeah. know? It's like, so that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. When I was in a gym, like in just a gym, one gym and staying in a gym, wasn't traveling around. I was a different coach, but then when I went on the road, something clicked in my brain because I'm only visiting gyms. So I'm, I'm right. in for a week, two weeks max, and then I'm out and I'm gone. So I really figured out how to positively reinforce and build athletes in that direction. And it gets the same result as the, the kill, 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 the really hardcore coach, and I get the same result with positive reinforcement in my week visit. The difference between that and being there for a whole year is massive. Like right. it changes how you do the psychology yeah. of your year. But in a week, I can come in and I can build kids up from the ground. If they've been, if they're just down on themselves or they're not feeling good about their skills, I can, by the time I leave, they're like, man, I'm an awesome athlete. Like yeah. that's what I feel like my most part of my job is, is important because a lot of people come in and I kind of say the same things. Like I would probably come in to say mostly of the same things as the coach of the owners already said, but because it's from a different voice, mm -hmm. but because of the way that I'm going to help build them, it's a little bit different. So they get like excited and motivated. And that's yeah. why my, my company's called Inspire. Right. Because I really feel like I'm actually inspiring kids, not in just cheerleading, but like in life. Yeah. I feel that for real. That's really like every day. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's why it doesn't feel like work. That's why this right. is the best job ever. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And I mean, having just branching out a little bit with dream camps and doing some things like that. Like I told, I can completely see where you're coming yeah. from and I'm like semi jealous being a, like an owner and like having my teams and coaching a year. Yeah. It's like such a different experience Totally is to go in and be that like super awesome. They all love you coach. Cause you're there for four days and you're yeah. just giving them like joy and it's cool. It's I try so to build fun. the coaches when I'm there too. That's like right. a huge part of it, which is like something I've really been focusing on for like three years. So it's not just the kids too. Like mm -hmm. when I'm there, like as soon as I get in with the gym, like comfortably where we, we've got to know each other a little bit, I really like bond with the coaches and try to build where, feel out where are they, where are they awesome at? Is there anywhere that I can add in from what I've seen from all the gyms I've been to? Right. Because the experience of being like in so many different gyms, you see so many things that work, so many things that don't work, so many things that might work, you're not sure. And you get to see every aspect of how people make different situations work and it changes the way you coach. So I come in and I like, that's a really cool aspect because now it's like, you can see how the big gyms work, see how the small gyms work. A new gym, their first year, right. 10 years in, 20 years in, it's all different. And it's all like once you see it and how it runs, you can actually, okay, so you're missing this, this, this is what they do over here, and it's great, you know? Same with judging. Judging made me change the way I coach. And I'm now brought in as a judge mid-season. And it is so awesome because you can see the trends on the floor. And then you can say, hey, this is what I'm getting five O's for. Let's see if you guys can swing that way in a back answering too. And get a five on the floor next time you're in competition. So I'm, I'm adding in that sense too, which is really cool. Okay. So, and most people may not know, but you're also a varsity judge, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and what got you into doing that? It was an accident. Actually, I was training. We, uh, my ex, my step partner, um, we were training and doing a show off in Vegas at American championships, their Vegas event. And 
the they had a judge not show up. And I've been judging. I was judging prior to that, but I was judging internationally as well. But they had a, a world judge not show up, and he had you know I talked to the go, the guy that was setting it all up. And he let us do the show off, and he called me. He's like, one of our judges didn't show up. Can you can you come up on, on the thing? And I was like, absolutely. This was years ago, before they had all the trainings and everything. Right. But like I said, I definitely so I changed out of my Team USA shirt, put on like the the best clothes I could find <laughs> while I was in Vegas, and judged the whole weekend and it was I judged tumbling and I it naturally I was they I was on every single event every weekend from that point on and that was five years ago and I haven't stopped judging since then in the states but I was like I'm still judging in Switzerland every year and Mexico and different places so and so as a judge and you judge other places which don't necessarily have varsity but we're pretty much universally varsity score sheet I think in the states there yeah, are a much. lot of events that we get away from that yeah. worlds. Yeah. Um, but, um, how do you feel about the changes? I, I'll be honest. I like a lot of the adjustments to the score sheet, like from a, Oh, from, a, from like a, the six and seven. Um, no, not, not the USASF changes, oh, but okay. like the, the changes in the way execution is, is yes. done and, um, the, the taking away of the drivers and, and, uh, you know, some of the changes giving they made. Giving the point one back. Giving the point one back was huge. Yes, that was huge, for um, sure. You know, I actually, I'm a big supporter of the, uh, if you only put up one stunt group, there's going to be potentially a negative impact on your score sheet. I, yeah. I think that's a fair a fair uh, recourse compared to this last year where yeah. if you put up one stunt group, like you were killing it. Yeah. It was hard to lose execution yeah. points. Because you were getting sync. You're going to get yep, three automatically, sync. like boom, done. <laughs> <You're> winning. <laughs> um, but how has that been from a judging perspective? Has that made it easier for you guys? Do you feel like it's less subjective? Well, I haven't judged this season yet, so I can only say what I feel before I'm but, sitting on a panel. I mean, they, they kind of introduced the same concepts last year, and now yeah. they just refined it oh, a little bit Oh, for sure. More. The drivers really made a change in how we, first off, how I coach, let's just be real, because now you're... If you know the drivers, you know what everything you need to know for judging. Now you you kind of mold your routines right. compared to what's going to hit the score sheet right. And sometimes it doesn't even matter if the training, like if it's different because it, you know it'll hit right here. Uh -huh. So it's almost important to do it on the floor that way. But I like the drivers. I, I wasn't sure about them when they first came, when it was yeah. the first thing. And now that they've broken the drivers down even more, which is helping our coaches and gym owners understand how to hit the score sheet right. with less questions because right. it breaks it down into pieces where you really understand, okay, I now know what I need to do for my approach. I have these five things I need to read about it. I understand. And now you get a point two off or point three off, right. which is, you know, and point, and point, point one, point one, point, one, point two, point three. So it's, it's still made it subjective. That still keeps it subjective by opening up the point one, point two, point three, right. I believe, but at least they're narrowing what it is what is needed on the floor right. by just explaining it better on the, on the sheet, I think for sure. So, um, the only thing I, I don't really favor is it, it, it boxes you in on creativity sometimes. Yep. Some of the rulings, yeah. some of the, you really boxed in. I Do you like. feel like you've seen less creativity in routines as the, the yes. score sheet has evolved? Yes, really. I think so. I, I think from, if we would go, you know, years back. Yeah, way like, back. If before you watch some of those videos, <laughs> some of that stuff is, is. highly illegal on all, <laughs> on all levels, no matter what. But it was awesome it was to cool. watch. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's the part that's hard for having to get more creative. I don't know how to say it, but more intricately creative so right. that it 
so that it's legal and it hits the score sheet. You know, so that's the tough part, I think, right now about cheerleading. And you primarily do tumbling or do you do all categories? Everything. Okay. I do everything. I am I can cater to anything that a gym needs. Well, I mean like judging. At judging, I do all. So you I do, do all. Yeah, I do building. Well, I don't do all. I would say I do building the most. Not building the most. I do tumbling the most, building. I've never, I don't really do overall. I've done deductions. Um, but usually once you find your niche, you just, you go with it. The whatever it is. And tumbling, do, you, stuff like that. do you find that there are things that like as a judge that you like stick out to you like there's something like a technique wise yes, that you're like, for sure. Ah. And maybe another judge might not notice it as Actually, much. Actually, I've had these conversations and I had to have these conversations with owners and coaches at, at events because mm-hmm. my, every judge focused on something different depending right. on their background. Totally. But for me, because I'm already so analytical with tumbling, when I look at the floor, you, you know, the, the analytical is going down and now we can analyze it per driver, right. which gives you an open analytical moment. So what I focus on though, if the, if the feet are right. So for example, level two, level three tumbling and back handsprings. Okay. If feet and knees are together, automatically I'm going to watch hands on the ground. I'm going to watch hands over the top. I'm going to watch the sink of the swing mm-hmm. and make sure that that's, that's correct. Um, a lot of Ways that they start, if their hurdles are on, if they look the exact same across the floor, they, you know, they're gym wide the same. Like, you look for that kind of stuff. Right. In fact, uh, a couple years back, I had a conversation because one team lost it, like by like point two, it may have been point one, and it was due to the way their arms did. Next year, I judged them. Arms were coned <laughs> solid behind the ears. Not, I could not find one hurdle different on the floor. I was like, that's how you do that. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. So I'm, yeah, definitely though, because most, it depends on what your background is. So if they've done more in building or they've done cancer building or they worked in their gym and they're, they favor, you know, building and that's their thing, then their visual and what they see is so different. If they were a base, if they were a flyer, now they're sitting on the judges stand, that changes the visual as well. So it's all over the map, but I feel like they have such good judges training now where we get to watch videos and kind of round people out now, which is before it wasn't like that. It was more based on strengths in my opinion, but now it's really rounding out. So. That's good. That's awesome. The training's getting a lot better, actually. I'm really impressed with the judges training. Um, do you find that, and I'm, I have my own opinion, obviously, but do you find that coaches don't spend enough time educating themselves on the score sheet? Yes. And you know what I've realized, and I've done it all summer, not just educating yourself on the score sheet, educating your kids and your parents. 100%. The more that the parents understand, in uh-huh. a sense of controlled but the more they know and the more the kids know, the more they understand when they're training what they can do better. Yep. And also where your child is placed on the floor, where your child is placed on a team. Yeah. If the parents are informed on, hey, these are the skills, you know, maybe put them on the wall, things like that. I've been putting, putting them mm-hmm. on the wall for two of my gyms this, this year already. Um, just putting up the level appropriates. Okay, so now as a parent, you can say, oh, well, my kid has that, but not all those things. I now see why she's on a three, not a four, which is you keep you keep them happier when they're more in the know. But definitely with coaches as well. And I feel like it takes I mean, because some of the the ruling when you read it, if you were just off the street layman, you've never even done cheerleading. It doesn't like you have to sift through a lot of garbage. Yeah. To really understand it. Like even now, like I'm judging and I've coached for 18 years and even now I'm having to sift through it yeah. and really like translate, you know, totally. so, so it comes out right. And so I'm, I'm teaching legal things and we're putting legal things on the floor and it's hitting the score sheet, but hitting the score sheet is a 
it's it's a learning curve. Yeah. It takes time to understand. I don't, and I always tell people, like, go back and look at it again. Like, people kind of have this approach of, like, oh, I read it. I, I look at it 30, 40 times a year. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm going back and checking my ratios and I'm looking. But I love the, like, educating parents and athletes. I don't know if you know, but I have people that think I'm crazy because after competitions, I will, in our, like, private parents' Facebook groups, I do a score sheet breakdown after every competition. I say, this is what we scored. This is why. This is what the judges said. Like, I basically give them the score sheets and why we scored what we did and what our plans are for adjusting or, hey, we're just going to maintain. Yeah. But And I've had coaches and owners be like, why would you give them that information? And for me, it's like, well, I want them to know. Yeah. Um, Because... That way they are understanding what we're doing. Yeah. So if you place really good, they understand. If, if you don't place as well that time, right. they understand. And they understand what, what what it takes to get to the next spot. And they yeah. see the score. And then yeah. when I say, okay, so now we're, we're taking these five people out of this because they're killing our execution, they go, okay. Yeah. They get uh, it. More often, obviously. Especially if it's their daughter. Now. Yeah, exactly. All right, well. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's been a really interesting we started doing that about two years ago, and it was got a lot less questions. Yeah. Um, so what do you, I mean, traveling around, and you you go to every gym, I feel like. I go um, to so many gyms. <laughs> uh, is there, if you could, like, telepathically implant something in everyone's brain, of like, fix this one thing, is there something that you could, like, call out as, like, if I could get 75% of the gyms to do this. I have two. Two, okay. Number one is conditioning. Okay. I, I'm i going to tell you right now, I I walk into a lot of gyms that that's not a priority. And then I walk in a lot of gyms where it's an hour and a half of a two and a half hour practice. And I can walk into a gym with an hour and a half pra- like conditioning after summer and I can teach that kid any skill. They are so strong. They just, the body can do so much more when you actually take conditioning as a serious thing. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is when routines start, conditioning starts to go down yeah. and then it becomes like almost, it's almost not even there. For some of the gyms, for example, I walked into a gym in Canada called Flyers and I, Great program. they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're just amazing. Yeah. And actually I was showing a couple people there, the gym from Germany, um, a long time ago. And so we walked in and we walked in, I think I got lost. So it took me maybe 30 minutes extra late. I was late to practice. I walked in and they had to have done, I would say 80 reps of their main stunt. That was, they were continuing on from the beginning of practice. So I had gotten late to practice and they had already done maybe a hundred reps apparently. And I just looked at this gym and it's rep. I mean, I'm just, it was amazing. It was the whole practice was conditioning. Do you know how many worlds like medals they've won? A lot. I mean, it's, <laughs> they're great. They are yeah. annihilating. They're amazing. But like, I think six in one year, one time, like they just every year they win gold, like every year. It's amazing. Like, yeah. and they have the conditioning aspect of it down. And the, the gyms that do are the strongest. That's my one. The other one, and I've been doing this for, I would say two years, is the coaches clinics that I've been doing all over is finding a way and also re- making that way um, reiterated each year, depending on the trends that are on the floor. So that's the, that thing I've been doing. I told you I was yep. like coaching, doing coaches clinics and setting like 
the gym way and they, uh-huh. it's everybody claps the same for jumps and everybody, you know, trains the same. We all load the same. We all do the same kind of basics. Yep. And that makes the gym grow. If you have your level ones building in the same direction. So everybody looks the same. So when you look on the floor, you go, okay, that team, I know exactly how that team is going to do it. And then their level one, two, three, four, and five do it. Yep. And it really does put everybody on the same page and you have to do it every year because you get new coaches in that come from another gym yep. or they're coming from somewhere else. They're now part of, part of your gym. So you have to reset that way every year as a coach is going to grow in a group. So everybody's on the same page and you're all building together. So when they get your level ones, get to your level five, they're already doing the jumps, right? They're already doing that. The yep. claps, right? They're doing that. The stretch to stretch, right? They know how to do the arms with that correctly. Like you set away through everything. Yep. So it's really neat to like, Set that, walk away from it, and then watch it on the floor when they're competing later in the in the week, in the year, yeah. because I get to see it on the floor. And then I get to come back the next year and go, okay, so we have all these things in place now. Now we need to move on to these things and place it next year. It's the neatest thing, but I don't think, like, big gyms get that. Like, the big, big, massive gyms, they get that because they've been going 10 years, 20 years now. Right. So you find your way. You find the way that works, and then you start training your, your staff. Smaller gyms, like D2 gyms, they don't have a way yet because that way changes every year. Mm-hmm. And if they can find that solidified way and just modify it, yep. it builds a gym so much quicker to your upper levels. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, we started doing that about three years ago. And yeah. it's literally called... The ODT way, yeah, like that's it's what a Google I thought, Doc. whatever it's yeah, implemented, and, whatever the gym it is, is. <laughs> it is that it's this is the way, yeah, and it does change, it changes every year, yeah. Uh, we experiment with things and and try new things to adjust issues that we found, yeah. And, um, so, yeah, I think that I, there were two things I was thinking while you were talking about that with the conditioning thing. I totally agree. And I think from a safety standpoint too, your stronger athletes are less likely to be injured. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of, as I'm thinking about it, there's no, there's no coaches training on like, how do you effectively you condition? Right. And there's nothing like you go to a conference or anything and we never talk about it really. You are right. And I, most of us have that. no idea how to effectively condition. You know, if you asked, if you pulled coaches and cheer, I would say 50% would say conditioning involves running, you know, run a mile and do this, like things that aren't necessarily the kind of conditioning that we need. Yeah. I, I see would, what you mean. I don't know if there would be, I think that might be something that as an industry, we, if we really want to see that trend change, we need to start creating some better coaches training for that. Cause yeah. gosh, we know every freaking grip in the world at, at these events, but like for conditioning, that's a totally different thing. Yeah, I agree. James needs a key. He's going to interrupt. Would you, would you lock yourself out of? Uh, Good thing I can edit things. How's it going? Molly needs ice for her. Hello. Oh, that's her. Okay. Um, and then as we were talking about, uh, the way thing, I, I remember when we started, doing that. And I was like, this is what we're going to do. And then like 12 hours later, I was like, holy crud. There's a lot. Like, and we went, we broke it down. Like we were like handstand. I know. Everything. And when you start to look at that. pages worth of this. It's daunting. What I I create. Yeah. It's daunting. It's a lot. And it's per level too. Yeah. It changes from level to level. Like comparative, like, like figuring out how you're going to swing, how you're going to Swing for your jumps, how you're going to punch for your jumps, how yeah. many counts you are going to do, how many counts it's going to take you to sit, to 
stick and stand. Is it going to be two down and one up? Is it going to be one down and one up? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, 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 it goes so intricate. But once you figure it out and you base it on what a judge is, like that's what, what's helpful in, for that for me right. is when you base it on what a judge's perspective is. So now I can take what I see on a tumbling. What's the best tumbling I see that I that I basically admit just fluff the confidence or just beautiful, amazing? How do they get that result? And then if you can break that down and then give it to a gym, it is ridiculous. And that's like that's what I feel like is so powerful about being a judge and right. being able to coach is you can really help, hey, Right now you're at a, you know, you're at this score because your backhand spring legs are all bent over the top of it and your hands are out to the side and right. nobody's, nobody's swinging the same. Everybody's doing different swings out and in or our sets look like this for tucks. We need to get straight arm sets in the front to, you know, yeah. and it really changes what the suggestion is you can give to find the way we are going to do this because it looks great on the floor this year because it's trending because it, it's, it's clean. Yeah. You know, now what's your opinion on, cause there are some. There are some techniques that look cleaner, but cr- progressively are I, not good. There are, there are, I have several in my brain right now that are, um, I've struggled with it. Like why at level two do we stick back handsprings, standing back handsprings? I have no idea. Like why it wouldn't could, we assess a rebound? Here, the reason why we stick back handsprings is because everybody's rebound looks different. So to clean that to clean up that. is difficult. Yeah. For example, like the cone. Okay, I, I do teach the cone. I teach the cone. The cone hurdle, if we're talking about a hurdle for tumbling, I teach the cone if hurdles are all over the place because the cone gets a 5-0 right. if it's done properly because every kid cones the same behind your ears, straight arms. You can't mess that one up if everybody right. does exactly the same, keeps it in the same spot without fluctuation. But I hate the cone for I training. It. It's it. awful. <laughs> it's not how you train for a you know a powerful hurdle. Right. But man, does it clean up the floor. Right. So it's a you know it's a back and forth. I cl- I try to do the hurdle correct, and if for some reason I can't get the visual, I suggest it. And if they say they want to try it, then we clean up the visual that way, and that's how they get a five zero. Yeah. And it's those things that I don't like. Like cone, I don't like actual training, but but it's it clean. Changes the way right. the visual is and. To get a bunch of kids that didn't do a bunch of gymnastics training up totally. to hurdle the same, to learn how to open their shoulders, cone that up. That's the best way to go for it if you're right. gonna clean it up. <laughs> but and there's so many, there's so many examples like that, I feel like. Like arms up tumbling. Landing arms up tumbling. Yep. I like it. I don't mind it. It's sometimes cleaner if you do it right. Mm-hmm. In level one, it's a hundred percent cleaner. Right. Because you're you're you're, cha- you're taking out one extra element that you have to clean and get everybody to do together. Yeah. Because their arms are already there, just stand up. Yep. You know. So there's a lot of there's a lot <laughs> weird little things examples. we do. Yeah. Yeah. That are not it's not my per- favorite progression for training, but on the floor, man, it is yeah the perfect way to do it to get the score you want. So you've got to kind of read the score sheet through with that. Yeah. And stunting too. Those are some good ones. Yeah, there's tons in stunting. <laughs> yes. Tons. Yeah. Um, so what is, if if you were to pick, what's your favorite country you've been to so far? Favorite country? Yeah. You can't pick the States. I'm just going to assume, being a red-blooded American, that you love, love the United States. But there's I some totally pretty cool places out there. Yes. I have two favorite countries. Okay. Um, Italy. But it was, I went there for cheerleading. But, man. 
I didn't know the history of the world until I got there. And I went, gosh, I wish I would have paid attention in history class because <laughs> I'm standing in front of like a cathedral and like a, a palace and Pompeii was insane. And I just went, I wish I would have paid attention more because all of these things are so amazing. So I've gone back to Rome several times because it's amazing. And the food, I would become completely fat. Like I would just completely let it go and eat all the pizza because even the most divious place there, the food is to die for, like literally to die for. It's so good. The only thing I didn't find good there was fish because it comes with the full head and everything. <laughs> but I loved Italy and I love Switzerland because that's where my roots are. Okay. I'm Swiss. And I got to see my family, but I also got to experience cheerleading in one of the newest countries. So it was new there. It's been new. It's, it's you know, 10 years, if, if a little bit more than that. But um, so they're growing and I've got to see the growth over the last, I think I've been going for four years now. And I've also got to see Switzerland because you can go across the whole country on train in four hours. So I go to a, I, I go to a gym on one side of the country and then I can be at a gym on another side of the country three hours later. Or I can take, we took, I did this, I did a one gym in, um, where were we? Oh gosh, I can't remember at the moment. But I took a whitewater rafting trip three hours down the river to practice. We river, we, we did a whitewater rafting trip, got off, got on the bus, and five minutes in we were at, we were at practice. It was That's such insane. a cool experience. It was like the coolest thing I think I've done outside. I mean, we go rafting, but we don't go to practice right after. Yeah, it was, it was even braided our hair because it was all wet because we were doing flips off the raft. I mean, I was with a bunch of cheerleaders. Yeah. Everybody was flipping and tumbling off, and then we went to practice. It was so cool. That's that probably amazing. Yeah, that was a fun one. And then Finland was, Finland was the one that, when I went to Finland, I didn't, I, I speak really fast, obviously, you can tell, but I coach really fast too. Like I want to get it all in, I want right. as much information into the person as I can when I'm there. Finland made me realize I can't do that because they don't, English is their second language. And that was my first like major, like they didn't speak English country. And I was speaking to a bunch of 11 year olds and their English is, it's just, they haven't grown up with it yet, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was speaking my normal speed and they didn't get Anything I was saying, so I had to slow the way I coach down, which is, you know, you, you go on speed, you're, you're faster, you're, right. you know, and I just slow down, but do more visuals. It was a really interesting experience. It made me really learn how to coach in other countries with different languages and how to approach it the first time I did it because I had to switch gears real fast. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm trying to think. I went to an ice ice palace in Finland too. An ice, like it was made of ice? Everything was ice. Even the cups were made of ice. Everything. It was so neat. That's amazing. <laughs> you have to wear these big robes. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> so you don't freeze to death. You know, no big yeah, deal. No big deal. It's good. So uh, you've obviously coached a lot of places. You've encountered a lot of different, you've been at big programs and micro programs and all over. Um, what if any, if you can pick it out, what's the biggest difference between those like hugely large gyms, very successful, you know, those, those big programs and then the smaller programs, like what is one of the biggest differences you see aside from just, they have lots of kids. Like, is there anything that sets them apart in your mind or are they the Yeah, same? because they've gone through, they've gone through it. They've gone right. through the small gym as well. They were a small gym. Yeah. And they've grown into this, 
you know, massive gym now. And I feel like they found a way that works and it works for several locations too. That's kind of right. a thing as well. Um, but one of the things that's challenging for, I would say a smaller gym or a new gym or a gym that just doesn't have, you know, the capacity like that is the difference in tuition. And what I say by that is, you know, if I'm coaching a team in, in a larger gym, there's several kids that are legit alternates on this team right. standing at the front, ready to take a spot. So these kids on the floor automatically, you can, you can just tell that their work ethic is, well, my spot's about to get taken because it's that easy because right. I have these, these kids staying up here and they, they just have the extra kids where if they lose a kid, it's not as hurtful because they have extra to come take a spot or to pull up from. And I find that to motivate the kids more sometimes in some gyms right. because of somebody's right there right now to take a spot. So it's much easier to say, well, you're not doing your job. We're going to pull you from the team. We're going to put you on the lower level team because you didn't, you're not doing your job. And they, it's, they're more on a sense of understanding than a smaller gym that you can't, you pull that, the whole team falls apart because there's nobody to take that spot. Right. There's not an extra plethora of kids around, you know? Um, but that's what, I mean, that's, that's one thing that you notice, like you have to, you have to more, you have to be more creative and make things work when you're a smaller gym, as opposed to kind of, you still, you have a little more leeway when you're in a bigger gym. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so is there anyone throughout your travels, throughout your years as an athlete or as a coach, any, um, any coaches who've really inspired you or you think have really like molded the way you are? Every, and I'm, I, this sounds like a cliche response, but every single gym I walk into or every camp that I work, so it doesn't matter if it's like an individual camp or a camp Woodward, like I've worked at Woodward for seven years. Um, if it's at my own camps and I'm holding in a private, you know, in, a, right. in their own gym, I learned something from every single place I ever walk into. I can learn from a three-year-old to a 30-year-old, but not only that, I feel like I'm inspired by the difference the differences that I see in how coaches are coaching or interact or motivate or push, you get inspired constantly because you get to see so many different ways in because right. everybody's got their own way. There's not, you know, there's not one set way that this is the way it has to be. Everyone creates a certain way and it's, it's different in every gym. So it's really neat. And it's really inspiring to see how people have, you know, from years ago when there was nothing to go off of how you created your way, or how you figured out certain things and right. then taking from other people and figuring it out and then looking and, and I don't know, you can just, it's really neat. But I have several coaches that have inspired me over the years and they were my coaches. So one of them is CJ Russell. In fact, the, the first dream camp that I missed was because of her yeah. because um, she passed away, but she was one of the most influential people in my college years to help me get to where I'm sitting right now. In fact, I wouldn't be sitting here without that woman in my life. Same with another, uh, uh, Kevin Brubaker was okay. yeah. a huge, a huge person in my life to take care of me when my family, when things were not as easy, he took me in and I literally, like he is basically there, my graduation, my homecoming, like he was helpful and very inspiring in my younger years to help me get to college and help me get through. And now I, now I work the camp that I used to attend. It's so neat. Like yeah. that, that entire build from Charlotte All-Stars is amazing actually to be going back and teaching the same camp I attended at the beach. It's so cool. Um, but those two, two coaches for sure. But there are a lot of people that I work in 
the same industry with right now that right. I think are fantastic. Um, so many Tumbling coaches that are amazing, uh, that are that are constantly sharing information. Yep. It's a really cool group, tight niche of people that are sharing constantly and in it for the right reasons. Yep passionate yeah. and if you have passion i will work so hard for somebody that you can feel the passion from whether it's a kid whether it's a coach whether it's an owner the, when you have a passion for what you do you're doing the right thing and you when you can make other people feel that passion yeah keep doing that thing because it's the right one so every time i walk in a gym i get inspired i feel like yeah i've seen such a cool like trend that i, I feel like it started maybe like two three years ago like, it really wasn't that out there before but with you've got these a lot of these tumbling coaches who are incredibly smart people just sharing content sharing. like just yeah these are drills these are things that you can be doing this is me coaching a kid in a private lesson today yeah. and this is a drill we set up that really got great hip drive in their layout yeah. i mean it's so cool to see people like shay and sean yeah. and roman and debbie love debbie love and these people yes. out there just sharing stuff yeah I think Debbie really started it, right? With love of tumbling. Yeah. Like, I think she was the start of like, what wasn't She's she the start so of? so much knowledge. Um, we just worked a camp in at Worlds we did with Vikings. It is so awesome to work next to her and to hear her brain and to, and to realize in some ways you're on the right path. Like for me, I, I look up to her too and I get to hear her and then I go, oh yes, I do that too. And I didn't know you did. You know, it just makes yeah. you go, okay, <laughs> score, right. I'm on the right page. You know, it's really neat to hear someone else's brain too. Yeah. Like Sean Guzman, like he's awesome. And I get to hear his side and we've been tumbling coaches for years and we get to a lot of the same results in totally different ways. And it's really neat to hear someone else's brain like that right. and to play off of it. It's, it's just cool to, to talk Matt, Matt Brown, Matt Brown. So we, we've done coaches clinics together and it is so neat because we do a lot of the same stuff as well. And a lot of the same verbiage. It's just, it's so much fun. And it's I love the tumbling coaches industry the most because it's such an open sharing thing. Right. In skills for stunts, I feel like not everybody's so open. No. They're not, they don't want to share because it's a little bit more creative. So it's more yeah. like we're going to keep this thought. People are trying to hold back this cool yeah. stunt we're doing. Yeah. Tumbling's like free for all. Everybody learn. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. That's awesome. And now you moved to Miami. Yes. Yes. And how's that? I, I, I've only been there for two days. <laughs> so I hopefully and in by September. by the end of November, you'll have been there for five or six? Well, I think in September, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to at least slow down on the, because my travels are usually from May until August. Okay. And then I either go out of the country for September. I'll either go to Europe or Australia. But I'm probably going to wait until later to do that and kind of hone in on staying in Miami and being there for a little bit, actually. So taking a break from all the traveling. I've been doing camps since right before Worlds, all the way till now, no break, pretty much no break. So I'm going to need a break. You're going to need a break. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I can't believe how much you travel. I, I really can't either. Like, I get excited about airports. It's weird. You get excited mm -hmm. about them? Yeah, you have to. I, and I have an airplane mode. My my brain and my body, the moment I get into an airport, nothing can bother me. Lines don't bother me. Upset people don't bother me. Weights don't bother me. I just, unless it's like a crazy, like crazy. But sometimes when I get a, a layover, not a layover, but where you get stuck for a little while, it's actually great because I get a lot of work done because I don't get to stop for very long to do extra. I'm constantly going, going to a camp. Right. Getting on a plane, going to a camp. So I get a moment to breathe, actually, sometimes in airports. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I live out of, out of a suitcase for sure. But hopefully, and now I've got an apartment in Miami and I'm going to slow down slow a hair. Down a Just a hair. Bit. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I can't see you like completely slow no down. I love this too much. There's no way. But I'm, but I'm going to slow it down. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you have any opinion on this, but uh, being this is something you love so much uh, and you're so passionate about, are there any things that you see in our, in, in cheer in our industry that concern you that are something that you'd like to see? Like you hear a lot of negativity and I'm not a big negative person. I don't like all that. I I stay away from those conversations, but there are things in our industry that scare me for the longevity of our industry and, and concern me because I want to keep doing this for a long time. Yes. Um, is there anything that you worry about that are that are conversations that you have with your your other peers that are like these are things that we need to as an industry we need to try and solve these things that are that are conversations I can have on a podcast too yeah of course <laughs> um, let me think about that for a second I think yes because there's some aspects of it that are I don't I don't want to use the word toxic but it's a loyal the loyalty. Mm-hmm. I think loyalty is something that is is concerning. And what I mean by that is is athletes more so. Right. Like for example, I grew up in Charlotte All Stars. I was not going anywhere else. I just wasn't. I right. was loyal. I was all the way loyal to that gym. Yeah. hundred percent. And I understand when people move and I get that when something happens or their sure. or their their family moves Absolutely. and stuff like that. But to bounce around into so many different gyms, you're not you don't have the loyalty if you've only been there a year and then you haven't you've given you haven't given it more than a year somewhere. Right. I don't understand that. And and maybe I grew up in a different time. Like I know I was on the tip end of like the baby boomers there, so I'm a little bit more old school minded. And I grew up with the loyalty in mind and a family setting. Yeah. Um, I just don't I don't understand how people can so quickly move. So quickly, right. it's off, off. You know, maybe maybe a negative comment on one day on practice. Let's just be an example. You know, a negative comment that maybe the kid took a little bit differently, and it would have been like she got constructive criticism, but she took it differently or whatever. Parents leave leave gents for that, right? For something tiny, without trying to resolve it, trying to communicate, trying to figure it out. It's so quick to pick up and leave, and I and that is the part that I I wish so badly that we could train or teach loyalty and how important that is and yeah. to be somewhere even through the hard times sometimes i think we can yeah it's difficult though i think we can it's a tough one i i think on the flip side i see a lot of gyms that i find it a little concerning that they also and they almost have no loyalty to their it's like oh you you don't like my way get out you know and like that that by felicia attitude it, instead yeah. of like these are kids we need to teach these kids we need to teach these parents yeah uh because Parents don't oftentimes know what they're doing. Yeah. And if we're just going to, if, if our easiest solution is always just, well, bye. Yeah. Well, that's going to be their easiest solution too. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that safety's getting better. I do For think sure. that 100%. I do think there's still some disconnections in our, in our sco- scoring. And I don't mean scoring, but I mean more like the progressions of each level. Right. Couple, they're couple fixing things. Like, for example, level one, they've added the pass through to the top. Thank gosh. Oh my gosh. Like, 
this is now going to make our level two so much stronger yeah. automatically across the board in the sport of cheerleading yeah. because of that one change. It's so awesome. Yeah. There are several disconnections, I feel like, with the tumbling that I... Uh, I agree. Yeah, I just feel like the build could be a little bit better between yep. level two and level three. Yep. Expanding tumbling and, then, you know, examples that I'm sure will evolve as soon as we kind of move to that evolution of it, but... That's but the safety of it's gotten a lot better. Um, I like that. I'm trying to think of other things that I feel. Coach's knowledge mm -hmm. is is the other thing. I I find that there's not enough um, opportunities for coaching for for the knowledge of coaching. There are only several you know certain co conferences here and there and certain things you can do. I've been doing coaches like clinics in gyms, right. which is huge now that it's, it's got huge this summer too yeah. um, massively and it really does help because I can take the knowledge that I have and that I've seen and and apply it and I feel like there's just not enough opportunities like there should be for that to grow as a coach constantly and to constantly understand totally. and to understand the score sheet really sit down and be coached on the score sheet yeah how can I hit the score sheet how are, you know, what is hitting strong? Yeah. What's trending? That kind of stuff, there should be a, that should be a thing. Yeah. I suggested that it would be nice to have more regional, like, trainings like that uh, because it becomes really hard. I mean, and coming from the gym owner and coach perspective, you know, it, it's hard to make the world align for that one weekend yeah. um, where there's, there's a particular conference. And I think conferences are great. They really are. Like, in-gym stuff is, is awesome. But there's also something really unique and cool about all these people who have the same, share the same passion getting together. And, yeah. and I've been in conferences where, you know, the presenter even like figures something out while you're all together and someone asks a question and that leads down that yes. cool path. And, and now we've all created something together. It's like, yeah. so there's, and you can only get that in the conference style environment yeah. where you're getting people from different, different gyms, different programs and ideas. I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, me too. That'd be I cool. think that's really important because I think it would really help the growth of our sport right. as well, which is growing so much. Like I have a really cool example of, of that. Like 15 years ago when I got in a taxi, because we didn't have Uber then, I don't think. But 15 years ago when you get a taxi, and I tell them what I do is when I was a cheer coach, I, I would – Leave the word cheer out 15 years ago. Yep. I would leave it out. Yep. People would be like, what do you do? I'm like, I teach tumbling and stunting, all the flipping and the acro kind of stuff you see. That I do. Gymnastics type stuff. And now I strongly, confidently say, I'm a cheerleading coach. And before they would go, oh, you're, you're rah, rah this. You do, yeah. you know, you hold up pom-poms and you scream and yell. And now 15, fast forward. And I sit in an Uber or a Lyft. And let me tell you right now, I say I'm a cheerleading coach. They go, oh, my God. That is a hard sport. Yeah. Every time. And I'm like, yeah, we have made it. We have made it. <laughs> it's awesome. You're right. Yes. Yeah. So now I say I'm a cheer coach yeah. solidly. It's great. And you hear, you do hear people talk about the sport shrinking yeah. in the U.S. Um, and I, I think, you know, any sport's going to have that ebb and flow. My personal opinion, I think one of the biggest issues is that gym owners uh, are passionate people who get into this because they love kids and love coaching and they have a passion for it, but they have no idea how to run a business. Yes. And, it's so and difficult. It is really hard. It, it is, is super so hard. hard. And I've made so many mistakes as a business owner because that's why I got into it, right? Because I yeah. 
loved kids and I wanted to keep, I started out as a coach and our gym was kind of going, maybe going to go away and be sold or do something. I was like, I can't let that happen. So I'm going to, we're going to take this over and and Tori and I bought the gym, but we had no idea what we were doing. And you think like, it's really easy to be like, Oh, I could do this better. Yep. (laughs) Until you're in it. Until you're in it. I know because I get really, some of my best friends across the world are gym owners because those are my friends that travel so much that my, I look forward to seeing my friends at the gyms I work at most of the time. I'm really close with them. So I've, I've gotten to see different gyms and their struggles, but their strengths and their weaknesses and the things that have worked, the things that have not worked. And it's, it is, it spans the, the uniqueness of it is unique to the, the culture in the area of the state or country right. or, um, you know, the diverse situation that they're in or the location that they have. Like, it's been – it is such a challenge. I think gym owners have the most challenging job, period, because I, you can – you watch – the struggle of what they have to deal with, all the layers, right. parents, athletes. I mean, there's so many different layers that you have to manage and be able to manage well. Yeah, for Financial. Sure. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. It's amazing when, when you can, when you actually are with somebody, like I've been, a lot of my clients have been with for a long time and I've seen them come over the hump, like, you know, where the, the, the thought is, should I keep doing this? And, and I can actually, I can actually help them sometimes over yep. the hump. We, I just did this with the gym and they, they're headstrong hundred percent and they almost closed. And and now they're, you know, it was because of a location, they couldn't find the right location and they were kind of in limbo with that and almost didn't continue. Yeah. And it's just so neat to watch the overcome of things like with gym owners that, you know, have been doing it for years and have a passion for it. So no yeah. matter what, nothing takes them down. You know? Right. It's really neat. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, I've, I've been in that position myself. Should I even, keep doing this yeah like it's a i think everyone everyone asks them goes through that at some point with every job right but yeah i mean just owning a business it's hard yeah and it can feel so lonely yeah like you're constantly working at it all the time i feel like all the time like 9 a.m to 12 midnight it's not longer depending on what part of the gym you do if you coach in the gym as well if you do all the financial behind it if you do everything you just there's no breathing yeah you just to make it work and to get it off the ground you can feel so like you're this epic failure because everyone's social media says that they're great. And you're like, every other gym is doing so good. <laughs> social media you know, is a and, scam. Oh my gosh. It's such a scam. Such a scam. Such a scam. <laughs> but I, it can be like, it can be demoralizing yeah. to see that stuff and just be like, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the only thing that worries me is these, you know, there's so many people who have such a passion and, want to do such a great job they just don't know how yeah and there's no like learning curve yeah. i mean there there just are figuring things out, it that, out yeah but that's a hard way to do it it's so hard just it's it is to figure it out on your own that's rough it's super difficult some people prefer that way too some people are sure and stubborn yeah and i'm not stubborn would rather go that way and that's like where i've i've realized like i i visited a couple of gyms where i was one of the first people they ever brought out which is really really cool yeah. experience because yeah. They're nervous. And then I'm automatically like, okay, well, let's see how I got to ease my way because I never had anybody out. So I'm not going to come in and be like, well, this is the way I have to kind of like, let's make this idea happen together. And it's kind of, it's really crazy, but there are a lot of gyms that don't bring anybody in. They're just not open to an outside perspective yet. You never know how long it takes for that to happen. But um, I think people are getting more open now. I can, I can tell her because my job is increasing. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. More open to having somebody come in if they already know that person. They find that they're beneficial and not loyal is not the word, but 
passionate about what they're doing, like going to bring in, like, does that make sense? Like, yep. Oh, you're in for the right reasons. You're not going to come in and hurt anything. They're, they're, it's scary though. Yeah. Like it, it really is. You don't know who to trust. In no. Sport. A lot of times you don't know who's actually going to be, who's going to be game on or who's going to be not trustworthy. Yeah. And you see a lot of things happen because of trust in yeah. gyms, which is a very, it's, it's difficult. scary to bring people in from, from the outside and yeah. You know, I've brought people in and been disappointed. Because they don't uh, match the They don't the match the, yeah. the culture of the way. And, I mean, that's one of the things I love so much about dream camps and the people that I work with and I bring out is yeah, I, I'm to the point now where I don't I don't hire anyone that isn't a reference from someone else who works for me. Yep. Like, that's how my company is. That, that's how same. everything is, is, you know, you recommended Matt and then yep. Matt recommended Vonte and, like, and... And I, the, one of the first things I ask them after they're like, Hey, they're really competent is will they fit with our group? Do they have the right mindset and culture? Cause yeah. we're very much, you know, we're, we train hard we teach and we go hard, but at the same time, we're also every single one of us, I think is in this for the concept of helping kids yeah. and like building strong humans. And if that strong human has a standing back handspring and that's all they have, great. Yep. But, and if that strong human has a double full, great. Like no one is greater than the other. Right. And I, I like being surrounded by those kind of people, but it's scary. Yeah. Like, but new, that's new people. It's, it's frightening. You're in a really great, cause I love camps like this. Like I love dream camps. I love camps like Woodward, yeah. things like that, because you get to stand next to people from all different sides of, of the U S like this camp alone this week was amazing because you get to learn as well. Like, it, bringing in people like that, you get to hear someone else's way, you get yeah. to watch somebody else's way, and you get to hear it when you're talking. Like when when I'm sharing ideas with somebody, I'm like, wow, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then we go back and forth, and then it's I just learned something, they just learned something, and now we've just learned something together. And that's what's really cool about working with such a diverse group of people from all over and with the strengths of the coaches here this week yeah. in particular. From I was like, Yes, these are great people. I learned so much just by like listening or them tumbling around or playing around the stunting. It's just so neat to like learn from such unique minds who yeah. who are really good at what they do. Really mm -hmm. good at it. Really good at it. Yeah. That's that's what I love. Yeah. I, that was actually the whole inspiration for sitting down and doing like podcast style. I'd love to be able I would love to someday figure out how to get us all talking because I sit back and just listen to, to our staff, you know, after hours talking. And I feel like I'm just like grabbing all these nuggets. It's like a revamp. Yeah. That's like exactly why I do camps like this, but like why I went to Woodward for several years ago, because I would go there and I would work next to a power tumbling coach who's amazing. And I would just go, okay, you run it. And I just get to, it's a revamp for my coaching like, yeah, skills and exactly. mindset as well. So you're, it's a definite revamp because you're, you get to sit back. I mean, you organize all of it. You're, you're the the puppeteer with everything you, you make this happen, but you get to sit and see all of the staff coach and you get to like, learn. I feel like you're in just a great spot because you just get to really oh, I'm just absorb it. I know it's, you're, you have it made right now with that for sure. This is such a cool camp because it's, it's unique to that too, that it's kind of like, it's got its own experience involved. Yeah. So even with just the staff, we have our own experience here. I enjoy Like I love coming here. Like, it's just an experience because it's out here in the wilderness in Oregon. It's beautiful. Like it's, yeah. it's cool. The people listening obviously can't see our surroundings no, out here surrounded beautiful. by acres of trees. Yeah. And we're in the woods. the woods. My phone does yeah. not work at all. Not at all. <laughs> nope. No. Um, well, I, 
we've gone for over an hour. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> I had no doubt that we would be able to do that. Um, well, thank you. Uh, is there anything else, any parting words of wisdom, uh, thoughts, anything like that before we let whoever ends up listening to this go back to their normal <laughs> lives? Um, I don't know. I would just say passion is everything. And I feel like that's something we talked about a lot today. And I yeah. just feel like if you're listening to this, keep the passion going because that is what builds and makes this sport. And find your inspiration, right? And like find, find people to inspire you yes, and inspire others. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, and I think that's what, that's everything you do. Yeah, for sure. That's what I try to do. And now I'm going to shamelessly plug you because <laughs> you've sat down and talked to us. So if people want to book a camp with inspire or get a camp with you how do they how do they do that how yeah. should they contact you they can email me at info.inspirecamps at gmail.com okay. or you can find me on instagram inspire cheer camps or you can find me on facebook Callie seitzer okay <laughs> or my inspire page on facebook as well okay well i i will uh give my my two cents on anyone looking to bring you out it's 100 worth it uh they will never regret it and uh, if only I could get you out here for longer periods of time. I, don't, I was thinking about I hate having to share you. I it, know. like, makes me so sad. Individual um, camp, everybody told me around tonight. I was like, oh. It's, I love individual I camp. I think so I would fun. like it, too. It's I was so just fun. feeling that vibe in the gym, and it's not even everybody's here yet. No. It's got to be so cool because there's not a lot of options for kids to do that. No. There are hardly any. Mm-mm. I would say five max across everywhere. Like, there's one in Italy that's really big. Woodward, of course. Mm-hmm. This camp is like the only other one I work like that. There aren't a lot of individual opportunities like that. No. So this is a very unique experience. Yeah, we do some cool things. We like, um, kids can actually get a package where they get private lessons while they're at individual camp. That's cool. Um, they, yeah. So they can sign up and and do one Get with the, the with, best coaches in the with, world pretty much with sean <laughs> yeah and jordan hearn and That's I awesome. mean, like, these amazing people um they gotta go rafting like yeah they have it's a it's a pretty pretty cool experience for them um but well thank you again thank you for being here yeah for sure next year maybe longer maybe my hair will be blue next year maybe it'll pink. be blue you <laughs> keep changing it up um yeah thank you yeah no problem. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Dream Camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at OregonDreamCamps.com.